Good morning, church. My name is Jason Graves. I'm one of the ministers here at Riverside, and I'm filling in today for our preaching minister, Corey Trevathan. And uh, if you weren't here with us last week, as we kicked off the second half of our Lord's Prayer sermon series, I'm really glad you're here this week. Because we kicked it off in kind of a, a fun way, kind of doing a fun spiritual practice for the week. Did you know that spiritual practices could be fun? Uh, that's, that's a thing. That's something we believe in. And this has been a fun week as we've practiced praying for each other together. Last Sunday, Corey challenged us to commit to pray for one other person in this congregation during the week. Praying for them in our, in our own prayer time, praying for them by name, uh, praying over the concerns that they may have. And we did that, and we're going to do it again this week. Here's how it's going to work. I've got some folks that have these baskets, and they're going to come down, and they're going to give you one of these cards, a slip of paper. And if you are willing to commit to pray for one other person this week and have one other person pray for you, we would love for you to put your name at the top of this right here. Everybody, even if you did this last week, uh, we want you to do it again this week. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks in a row or a few weeks in a row. Your name right here at the top, there's a place on there for a phone number as well. You do not have to give that. I will, however, say there was lots of encouragement and prayers sent through text this week. I know because I, uh, I've received a couple of those. There's also a place on there for prayer requests. If you want the person praying for you to pray for something specific, that's on there too. Feel free to put something there for somebody to pray for. Um, if later on, what's going to happen? I want you to finish writing your name, fold this in half. We're going to pass the baskets again in a few minutes. And you just drop that card in there, okay? A little while later during my sermon, we're going to pass the baskets a third time. This is a basket passing day, okay? We're going we're to pass them again, and I want you to grab one of those cards out of there. Make sure it's not you, and make sure it's not whoever you prayed for last week. It's somebody new. Grab that out and commit to pray for that person this week. If you do not know that person and you would like to at least know who they are, right after worship today, I invite you to come find me back here uh, in the back of the auditorium. Doug, raise your hand, stand up. Doug, right here. Shirley was here earlier. I'm not sure where Shirley's at. Um, there's a few of us. There she is, right in the back. Miss Shirley back here. If, we, if one of the three of us can't find them, they can't be found, all right? We'll find them for you, at least point you in the right direction if you want to meet them or at least know who they are so that you can pray over them. Now, I can hear the people online saying, wait, that's not fair. We're not there. You're right. It's not. Fret not, my friends. We have you in mind as well. You don't have a card at home, but you do have email, hopefully. So your card is an email. Please send an email to prayer at riverside church Dot org, and this afternoon we will send you a name and send your name to somebody else. So we want you involved here too. Every week I see we have people from all over the country, some we don't even know that listen in. We would love to have you be part of this as well. Please join in with us. We'd love to pray over you and have you pray over us. Uh, we'd love to have your voice as part of this. We do this because we believe that there's power in prayer. It was such a blessing this week. I was going into our staff meeting on Monday, and as I'm walking in, my phone buzzes. And I look down, and one of my dear sisters here at Riverside has texted me, and she says, Jason, I'm praying for you this week. Let me know if there's anything you want me to be praying for. Um, so I said, well, I'm, I'm preaching this week, so pray for the congregation uh, that they 
you know, stay awake or something. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say any of that. But I was very, very blessed to have her send that. And she and I both knew that my youngest daughter had picked her husband's name. So while she's praying for me and, and our family, our family's praying for her husband and her family. So it was just a great connection. And I heard many stories like that. This is just a chance for us to pray for each other. And I pray you'll be, be part of that. We do believe that prayer has power. That's one of the reasons also during this time that we've been saying the Lord's Prayer together uh, before each of these sermons. So I'm going to ask if you would to stand. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer as it appears up on these slides. It may be a little different than you're used to. We invite you to join in with us as we read this version. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. You can be seated. I believe that there's power in that prayer. But let me clarify what I mean by that. Um, I believe that there's power, but I don't think it's like some kind of magic incantation that we say. I don't think we're rubbing the genie's lamp to get three wishes, right? I love the, the definition of prayer by the, the preacher Brian Zond. He says, the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we want, but to be properly formed. I like that idea. That when we pray to God, we're interacting with him in such a way, we're communing with him in such a way that it opens us up to be formed and shaped by him. That his spirit forms our hearts and our minds so that we become the kind of people he wants us to be. He forms us into that. But that raises the question, right? Okay, if that's the case, if we're formed when we pray, what are we formed into? When we pray the Lord's Prayer, for instance... What, do, what are we formed into in the midst of that? Specifically, I'm thinking today of, of that line that we read. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If we pray that over and over again in our lives, we pray it sincerely, what do we become? What does it shape in us? I think it's a, an important question. I mean, look at the words for a minute. They're up here. And think about what that says. Just to, to utter them with any kind of sincerity is to have at least some kind of humility, right? Because when we say these words, we are recognizing that there are things in the world that we're up against that we can't handle. And I don't know about you, that is not fun for me to do, to admit that there are things in this world I can't handle. We live in a... Uh, a, a society that cherishes self-sufficiency. We love to look like we've got everything together, got all our ducks in a row. We love to look competent. We love the phrase well-rounded, that we can do a variety of things and do them well. We don't, we don't like to be seen as incompetent. We want to be able to do things around us. So that feeling, every once in a while we hit that feeling, hey, Steve, you won't mind? Let me drop one in there too. Um, we hit that feeling where we realize, 
I can't handle this. You ever been there? The feeling that happens in your gut? It happened to me right before Christmas this year. Um, if you were here as part of Christmas, you saw out there uh, in front of the, the building, we had a beautiful big Christmas tree. Uh, emphasis on big. It was a very big Christmas tree. Um, we got that a while before Christmas and we, we had this Christmas tree and now we had to get it standing up. And so there was uh, quite an ordeal around how do we get this stood up out here in the, in the front courtyard. And what we found over and over again is that we did not have the people, the plan, or the mechanical advantage to get that tree up. And we learned it the hard way over and over and over again. We would come up with a plan, people, other people would, better plans than I could come up with, and we would raise the tree and it would get right to that certain spot where we thought, okay, we're getting over the tipping point, we'll get this, and then here it would come crashing back down, um, breaking equipment, almost breaking people, um, too much for us to handle. We were in far over our heads. Some of you are smiling. Some of you who are a part of it are still traumatized. And I can see that you are not smiling. Um, it, that feeling kept coming back. We would, we would get almost there and you get that feeling in your gut. Nope, this is too much. That's a silly example. But you've hit it in big ways in your life too, right? Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in parenting. Maybe it's in an addiction that you struggle with. Well, there's just a, a day that you realize, I can't handle this. It's humbling. It can be devastating for us at times. But, but that's kind of the mindset we have as we pray these words to say, there are temptations and there is evil out there that we can't handle. To even utter that takes humility. We're recognizing that we are up against things that we cannot handle. The question becomes, then, what is that temptation? What is the evil that we're talking about in this prayer when we pray this? And so what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of places in the book of Matthew to see if we can't get some clarity on what we're praying about when we pray uh, about these temptations and evil. I'm choosing Matthew because the prayer, the version of the prayer that we've been preaching from comes from Matthew chapter 6, which is in Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is the first of the Gospels telling the stories of Jesus right there at the beginning of the New Testament. And there are a few other places in his Gospel that Matthew talks about temptation, specifically in the life of Jesus. So I thought, what better place to look if we're going to learn about this than the life of Jesus, right? So I want to tell a couple of stories. The first one happens in Matthew chapter 4. This comes before the prayer. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, I have no idea what this looks like, but the Holy Spirit has led Jesus out into the wilderness. I've been saying this a lot lately if you've been in a class with me. I truly believe this. If you're reading through Scripture and you come across a story where somebody's in the wilderness, dial in, pay attention. Because there's lots of them. And those stories, if we pay attention, are ones where we learn a lot about who God is and how he interacts with his people, right? In fact, this story of Jesus in the wilderness is gonna have echoes in it 
of the story of Israel, God's people being in the wilderness for 40 years. For Jesus, it was 40 days. And for the entire 40 days, he's fasting. Wouldn't you know it, the end of the 40 days, he's hungry. And that's exactly in that vulnerable spot, that's exactly when the devil shows up to test or to tempt Jesus. That's his role here. He's there to test him. And he shows up and he sees Jesus in this vulnerable state. He says, ah, you're hungry. Why? Why are you hungry? I know who you are. You know who you are. You're the son of God. Son of God does not have to be hungry. If you wanted to, you could fix this problem immediately. You could feed yourself. You could take those rocks that are around you, you could turn them to bread and be fine. So do it. Solve the problem. Feed yourself. And Jesus, who knows that his trust is not in himself, but in the God who provides, says to him, yeah, but man doesn't live on bread alone. The more important thing is every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The devil goes, all right, all right, all right. Throws up his hands. And now we're on top of a temple. How we got there, don't know. Just on top of the temple, the devil and Jesus. And we kind of picture this. It's in Jerusalem, maybe like empty. I don't think it was. You know, there's people all around. It's a busy day at the temple. And they're standing on top. And the devil goes, again, I know who you are. You know who you are. You're the son of God. So this seems like a pretty good opportunity to let other people know who you are too. So jump off. If you jump off the top of this temple, you know what's going to happen. It's what the scripture says. God's going to send his angels and you won't even touch a heel on the rocks below. You'll just land like a feather. So go for it. Let God, let God save you. Let God show his power through you. And then everybody will know. And Jesus, who understands that there's a right way and a wrong way of doing this thing, turns to him and says, the scripture also says, don't test the Lord your God. And I don't mean, I don't think he necessarily means the devil shouldn't be testing Jesus. He does mean that. But I think he also means he's not going to jump off and test God. That's not his role. Devil. Okay. Yeah. Now we're even higher. We've gone from the desert, we've gone to the top of the temple, now we're on a mountaintop. And we're looking out over everything. And the devil goes, okay, look, I, you know, the devil knows. The devil knows that Jesus is there ultimately to be the king, to be the ruler. He goes, you want to be the ruler, you want to be the king. Okay, this is my jurisdiction. All that you see, I can give you. If you want to do that, let's do it. Let's let's." Let's skip to the end here. Let's make you the ruler. Let's make you the king. Now, of course, I'd want something in return. Nothing big. Just worship me. And I think the devil's overplayed his hand at this point, right? Just worship me isn't, the, isn't his best move. 
Jesus has had enough. And so he goes, get away from me. Go away. You know that we should only worship God and him alone. Get out of here. And the devil does. He goes away and God does what he does for people that are in the desert. He sends his angels to take care of Jesus. Now I want you to notice that in this story, the things that, that the devil puts in front of Jesus, they're not necessarily bad. He's going to eat. And he's going to do miracles with food. He's going to do wonders and signs throughout his ministry. And he's going to be called a king. Maybe not in the way anybody's expecting, but he's going to be called a king. Those things are going to happen. It's not the what that's the temptation, it's the how. Satan's trying to get him to do it his own way. Go down his path instead of the path that God has marked for him. So what does that mean specifically? I want to go to another story. One more story. Um, this is later on, Matthew 16. Jesus is tempted again, but it's not by the devil this time. It's by one of his disciples. Jesus knows what's going to happen. They're going to go to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he's going to be killed. He's going to be put on the cross and killed. And then three days later, he's going to come back to life. That's the, that's the plan. But he doesn't want his disciples to be ignorant about that. So he tells them, that's the plan. We're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer all kinds of things. And I'm going to be killed. And they're shocked. And maybe a little mad. And Peter kind of bows up. Because it's always Peter, right? Peter, Peter bows up and he pulls Jesus aside and he gets up in his face and he says, stop talking like that. Stop saying that stuff. Because it's not true. You're not going to die. And the implication is, you're not going to die because I'm not going to let you die. We can wag our finger at Peter here. But I think he's trying to, like, he's trying to hype his guy up, right? He's trying to, he's trying to get him uh, motivated. He's trying to speak loyalty to him and say, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to fight with you. And Jesus realizes that Peter is confused. And he says something devastating back. He says, get behind me, go away from me, Satan. Uh, do not try that at home. <laughs> don't, don't try this in your relationship. You call somebody Satan, that's harsh, right? I think what he's saying here is, get behind me, tempter. Get behind me, adversary. The next thing he says, I think, is even more devastating. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. Or in another, another translation, you are a dangerous trap for me. Peter, you are a temptation for me. If I do it the way you're saying, I am choosing our path, a human path, and I'm not choosing God's path. I can't do that. Notice that in both of these stories, the temptation is the same. The temptation is, the, is for Jesus to do what he's there to do, but to do it his way, down his path. And specifically, it's to deny the cross. It's to not pick up the cross and go through the suffering and die. That's the temptation for Jesus. And he knows that it's not just going to be a temptation for him. It's going to be a temptation for his disciples too. 
So he turns to them. After talking with Peter, he turns to his disciples. And he says, if you want to follow me, really, if you want to get behind me and go where I'm going, that means you're going to have to pick up a cross too. You're going to have to get rid of your selfish way of doing things. You're going to have to not choose your path. You're going to have to follow me on my path. And that means taking up a cross and going where I go. But it doesn't stop there. Because look, if you try to hold on to your life, if you try to stay in charge, if you try to control every piece of it, it's just going to fall through your hands like sand. You're going to lose it. But if you sacrifice, if you choose the way of sacrificial love like I am, if you follow me into that, you'll gain your life. And what what does it matter if you gain everything in the world but you lose your soul. Is there anything more important than your soul? Do you hear the promise here? It's a counterintuitive promise, but it's still a promise. It's the promise that if they follow the way of the cross, if they choose sacrificial love like Jesus says, then they'll gain the things that are most important. That only comes through the way of sacrificial love. All right, so we go from these two stories, we go back to the prayer, and we go back to the line, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What if the temptation that Jesus faced is the same temptation we're praying about in this prayer? When we pray these words, we are saying, help us, Lord, Help us to say no to all the things that tempt us to live life our own way. Help us, Lord, to say yes to the cross and to the way of sacrificial love. Rescue us, Lord. Rescue us from the evil one who wants, to cho- who wants us to choose any way of living but God's. Rescue us from him. When we pray this prayer, we are leaning into a deep, deep promise. Not only are we recognizing that we're up against some things that we can't handle in this world, we're also recognizing that we pray to a God who can handle those things, who can handle them and has handled them, who in his love, through his son, through sacrificial love, has defeated the temptations and the evil of this world. We lean into that truth. That's the truth that I want you to hear today. We are rescued by God's sacrificial love to become a community of sacrificial love. When we pray this prayer, we declare that truth. That is, that God is a God who rescues us. And when we say no to the temptations to do things our own way, we say yes to living a life of sacrificial love, not just towards God, but toward each other. And that's why we're praying for each other this week. It's one small step, right, in in acts of sacrificial love. It's not a huge one, but it's an important one. There's power in it, praying for each other.
So this morning, uh, as we pass out these cards, you grab a, a card, they'll be coming down your aisle in just a, just a moment. I want you to grab that card and be committed to praying for that person. Again, if you want to know who they are, come see me or Doug or Shirley here at the back and we'll help you know who they are so you can pray more specifically for them. As you're getting those, here's what I want you to hear. Let's go back to the original question. What kind of people do we become if we pray, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one? Here's what I believe. I believe we become people of humility who recognize our need for rescue. We become people of perseverance who don't give up when we face things we can't handle, but lean into our trust in God. We become people of hope who know that temptations and evil don't have the last say in this world. We become people of sacrificial love who take up our crosses and selflessly love those for whom God gave his son. Church, would you stand with me? Look, here's the truth. I I don't know what temptations you deal with. I don't know how it is that the the tempter uh, best pulls you away from the way of sacrificial love, from the way of God. We all experience that in different ways. And it's important to talk about those. That's not what I was really preaching on today. But what I do know is that this truth still holds and that the God we pray to when we pray the Lord's Prayer is a true God. There is a God who is in heaven. That God is our Father. That God's name is holy above every other name and every other God. That God, his kingdom is breaking into this world. His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. That God provides for our daily needs. That God forgives us as we forgive others. And what I'm praying for you this week is that you you hear this. That God gives us the strength to say no to the temptations of the evil one and yes to the way of sacrificial love. If you would like to to pray with somebody, our shepherds would be glad to do that with you. They'll be at the back. You can go pray with them as we sing this last song. But what I want you to hear is a blessing. I just want to say over all of us, may God grant us the strength to resist the temptations to do everything our own way, but to choose the hard way, the way of the cross, the way of sacrificial love this week. Let's sing. Thank you.